lot of people don't know what the uh, ins and outs of what makes opinion journalism rigorous and fact-checked and all that means. And then they say, well, if I'm just getting opinions, why am I why am I reading this newspaper? I'd get opinions anywhere. If people misunderstand it and don't recognize it, it's going to hurt the credibility of the news source just generally. Welcome to the Media Jungle Video Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Regeer, coming to you every week to break down the business behind the news industry, the future of media and the creator economy. Subscribe to our Substack newsletter and YouTube channel and leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. We appreciate your support. On this episode, I'm joined with Joshua Dar, a researcher at LSU and author of Homestyle Opinion, a book that talks about the evolution of opinion sections and how local news can slow polarization. Opinions go viral. Isn't opinion news an oxymoron? In the past five years, New York Times doubled its opinion staff. TV talking heads get ratings, opinions get clicks, and most readers aren't paying too much attention to whether the article they're sharing is from the opinion section or the news section before they tell you their opinion about the publication. But the difference between an established publication and an influencer turned 5G expert is that it has to be fact-based. They're hiring writers, editors, fact-checkers, etc. because if they get it false, they get sued. But whether it's true or not, opinions go viral. Stay tuned. Uh, I know you've been maybe one of the people who've studied this more than anyone. Uh, what's your sort of opinion on this explosion of opinion journalism in national news? It does seem like national news sees the value in opinion, as you know, with the New York Times growing their staff uh, on their op-ed page. Opinion writers do a very good job of narrative writing, of drawing people in with a story, human interest style stuff, it's probably, you know, it's a, it's a well-written argument, it's colorful, it's interesting in ways that reported news can't always match. Uh, and so when people are, are looking to the opinion page, they're not just looking for people's opinions. That's often the most engaging stuff that the newspaper is producing. And it's sort of as an interesting thing, the whole concept of objective journalism is sort of a new concept. Uh, in in places like England and in Europe, they often had always had more opinion sections. It was always more opinionated. Is that something that we're just dealing with or is there still this? Do you think that news should be completely divided from opinion? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? It's a good question, right? And like so many things in news, it comes down to whether or not they want to, you know, stay in business. I think opinion has a has a real place uh, in the newspaper because people find it engaging, but also because at least in the local context, as we'll get into, it's often one of the least professional parts of the newspaper. Like these are opinion writers, but they're not necessarily journalists. People can write in as guest columns, people from the community or and national experts on things can write in and say, here's what I know. And here's why you should understand it in my own words. Right. So it kind of cuts out the middleman for readers in a way that is designed to be engaging and interesting while also edited, fact-checked, and put through the journalistic process of making sure that, that it's been checked rigorously. So in terms of whether it's partisan or, or whether it's opinion or, or, or what the business model is, I think that's got to be part of it to just draw eyeballs in. I think they understand that in Europe 
And I think we may be getting back to something more like that here. So it's kind of the marketplace of ideas, the more opinions, at least if they're fact-based, the better. I think so. And I think that that's the genesis of it, right? When the New York Times started its own op-ed page in the 70s, op-ed actually means opposite of editorial. It doesn't mean opinion editorial, right? So they specifically drew people in on the page opposite what the editorial board was writing to say, here's some other opinions. Here's some different ones. You know, here's the rebuttal to what we just wrote. Here's an issue you might not have thought about because we don't cover it. It was deliberately designed to be that way in the New York Times, and it sort of spread across the, the media landscape after that. But that's often where you'll find opposing perspectives. So it was supposed to be for opposing perspectives. Now it's like people just screenshot the headline and they say, look what the New York Times just wrote. Right. Like right. you see that all the time. And it really was just an opinion writer, not from the New York Times, not a journalist for the New York Times. It's so ironic because the editorial page is what the New York Times just wrote, right? And the, the op-ed is supposed to be the opposite of that, but then the New York Times or whoever is publishing it is being held accountable for, uh, for what their opinion writers do, which is, you know, rigorous and journalistic fact check, but often maybe tend to be a little provocational, right? Maybe they want to get people talking about something that they don't feel like is being covered in reported news sections of the paper. How can people be more aware of whether it's opinion or whether it isn't? Or is that just like, we got to just forget about that? That is a very current problem facing the news industry. Um, there's a lot of people working on how to label opinion content online, right? Like there's no opinion section as much when you're just reading links separated from the bundle of a paper, right? You, you just open a newspaper and it says opinion at the top of the page. You're pretty sure that's opinion. You click a link on a link on the internet, you don't know. Uh, maybe it says opinion at the top, but a lot of people, I didn't know what op-ed stood for before I wrote this book, right? Like a lot of people don't know what the uh, ins and outs of what makes opinion journalism rigorous and fact-checked and all that means. And then they say, well, if I'm just getting opinions, why am I, why am I reading this newspaper? I can get opinions anywhere. So if they can label it better, I think that's really important. And uh, there's, like I said, a lot of people working on how to do that. Um, and, and I think it's an important thing for them to do because if people misunderstand it and don't recognize it, it's going to hurt the credibility of the news source just generally. One of your main focuses of uh, your study is sort of the, the effects of local opinion sections versus national opinion sections. Interestingly enough, this month, Gannett, which owns 250 newspapers, said that it's scaling back its opinion section for its local news and that the use of local news sites giving you opinion on national news is uh, like not needed because you get all of that from the Internet. Um, so it seems like they're also, though, at the same time, doubling down on local opinions, what they saying that highlighting expert local voices that are not the same old talking heads and political hacks is a good thing. Uh, what do you think about that? And do you think is that the right direction? Is is local news opinion sections more uh, better than national news? I would say yes. I think local opinion sections work better, uh, both for the newspaper and for the public, when they're not filled with national news. I think back in the day when it was your only source, there was value in getting both uh, national and local opinions in there because you couldn't go to the internet and get literally any national politics opinion you want for free at any time, right? The marketplace for national political opinions, I don't think is going to run dry anytime soon. 
But yeah. if you're if you're devoting yeah, if you're devoting valuable space to syndicated content that you're paying for, talking about national politics that they get anywhere, people are gonna start to wonder, why am I doing this? Why am I reading this in a local paper? And they're gonna start thinking like partisans. And that's what we found uh, in our study. Uh, where we we partnered with the local newspaper that decided to just get rid of that national stuff on their opinion mm-hmm. page. Which they, newspaper? This was the Desert Sun in Palm Springs, California, uh, back in July 2019. Okay. They said, we're just not going to publish anything about national politics. So it was the middle of the Democratic primaries, nothing about that, nothing about President Trump, nothing about Congress, entirely about Palm Springs and California state politics for a month. Uh, and so in the book, Homestyle Opinion, that you uh, introduced me with, uh, we, we studied how that affected the content of the opinion page and used uh, pre-post surveys of the area to see whether it affected people's uh, political opinions and uh, political distance from one another. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense because the Internet basically brings you the national news. Almost uh, exclusively. And opinions about national news are everywhere. Uh, and so, but it seems a little bit like people listening might be like, who still reads a newspaper? So it's a little bit like, do you think it, 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 like it, it, it's, those are like syndicated columnists. It seems like it's, is that really still a, a big thing? Yes, it is. Although, you know, when Gannett makes a move like that, it makes it maybe less of a big thing. Uh, Gannett, Gannett striking out against national opinion columnists is, is probably a, a blow to that syndicated industry. Um, cause they own a large percentage of us daily newspapers. Now the, the whole, you know, the, the point of, of making the opinion page local, however, is that it gives a voice to community members and to state legislators and to local groups, you know, uh, interest groups that might be able to, to reach a broader public than they otherwise would have with the credibility of the newspaper behind it. And, that is valuable. And, you know, we found the strongest effects of, of lessening polarization, which is what we found. There was a, a slowdown in political polarization in this area. People weren't as uh, much disliking each other, uh, the other side politically. They weren't feeling as socially distanced from those people. Before the pandemic, we were talking about social distance. Um, they didn't feel as, as socially uh, disconnected from each other. Um, and that's because they weren't re- reading about partisan conflict in far away Washington, I mean, far away Washington, D.C., from Palm Springs, California. And before this experiment, fully half of their opinion page was about national politics. And that that might not seem weird if you, if you, you know, look at local opinion pages and you're, you're used to seeing opinion columnists. But when you step back, that's a lot. <laughs> that's That's a lot of what a local newspaper could be giving you. It's instead just giving you this kind of pale reflection of what you might be able to get on the internet from any number of top opinion sources. The great thing about local newspapers and local politics is that everything takes the contour of the community that it's in, right? So in Palm Springs, they talked more about architectural preservation because they have all this mid-century modern architecture there that is, you know, very famous. They talked about development downtown because they're building a, uh, a minor league ice hockey arena for the new Seattle Kraken AHL team. And they're worried about traffic and they're, they tried to build it on a Native American casino. And then that ended up getting rebutted. And the land that was tied up with some of this stuff was involved in a mayoral corruption scandal. I mean, it was just the most local politics stuff you can get. And that's just their marketplace advantage, right? They're the only people giving you that. 
everybody's giving you national politics, but you can only get that stuff from the newspaper in your town. Yeah. And it costs money, right? It was easy to just flip a national columnist who is syndicating their stuff and you didn't have to fact check or didn't have to invest with actually building out an opinion section of a local news. You'd have to seek out the experts. You have to seek out the opinion makers and then you have to edit them and fact check them. You have to do actual work. It takes an editor, right? Opinion editors are, are a diminishing position. Um, certainly this Gannett move is a part of that, but it's reflecting a broader trend. You know, if you're going to get people from the community who've never written an op-ed before to write, that's going to take some editing. <laughs> You've got to get your succinct argument down to like 600 words. It's not something people are used to doing. But then you get their perspective in the local newspaper and people hear about what matters to them. You know, maybe it's, you know, whether it's bighorn sheep in the desert or whether there's a bike path that connects the cities. You know, I, I, I coded three months of the opinion page for this paper. So I've never actually been there, but I feel like I have because I read so much of it. Uh, you really get a sense of the community based on what the people in the community are saying. Uh, but you can't have that in the rigorous, prominent way that you need if you don't have an opinion editor uh, and the Palm Springs Desert Sun did at the time. And, uh, and he, he, he had to work harder in July than maybe in some other months, but uh, ultimately he and the uh, executive editor agreed it was worth it. And did you see any effects from that change? How did it affect the community? Yeah. So, I mean, our findings were that uh, polarization slowed down and that these local issues came to the fore. Um, they found as a paper that they almost doubled their clicks on opinion content in July uh, relative to, to, to June. Uh, they got way more readership online from the local stuff they were publishing. And it, it made the community value the opinion page in a real way that mattered later, you know, about a year later when Gannett uh, actually, which owns the paper, I should say. Oh, they owned it. Okay. Owned, so that yeah, was a Gannett study paper. based on, based on, so Gannett may have made that change based on some of the studies that you were working on. Uh, nobody at Gannett has been in contact with me. Uh, I hope that the, the effect of the book wasn't to, you know, cut opinion page coverage. Uh, a lot of them have cut down to two days a week, but they have been made more local. Um, so I think that's valuable. But at least in, in the Desert Sun, they offered buyouts and the opinion editor took it uh, in September 2020. He was getting, you know, getting close to retirement. And usually when there's a buyout, you don't get that position back. But the, uh, the executive editor, Julie Mackinnon, sort of using our experiment and some other arguments about the value of the, of the opinion page, fundraised from the community to raise enough money for a salary uh, to, to hire a new opinion editor. And so, you know, the day after this Gannett decision came down, I got an email from Julie saying, we're still doing this. We're still doing an opinion page. And it's largely because they were able to fundraise from the community. And it's something that that community values. And uh, I think this experiment really brought that value home. You know, part of your study found the, the, the original study found that the decline in local news sites covering local issues meant that people basically just started reading more national news. You also found that it resulted in much less split ticket voting where people were voting across party lines for during election. Uh, you cited that in 1992, 30%. 7% of states with Senate races elected a senator from a different party than the presidential candidate during uh, the, the candidate that the state supported in 2016. Uh, for the first time in a century, no state did that. Um, 
So you attributed that extreme decline in local news as why that happened? You connected those two? I believe it's a contributing factor. Yeah, my co-authors and I, and I should note the book is co-authored with Joanna Dunaway and Matt Hitt, as is this article. Um, We wanted to look at whether, but what replaced local news in people's heads, right? I mean, local news, people have plenty of valid complaints about local news, but these things don't happen in a vacuum. You lose local news, something else is coming in. And in the case of opinion, in the case of reported news, it's, it's more likely to be national. And that is, that is not, not good for polarization and for, in this case, split ticket voting, which is a really American thing for, for a variety of reasons. This is a big subject in political science. But, you know, you mentioned Europe earlier. This doesn't happen in Europe. People vote, there's strong parties. People vote for the same party, um, you know, to the extent that there's up and down ballot elections there, the parties control it all. Here, it was very common throughout most of American history to vote for a Democrat for president and a Republican for state auditor and whatever, you know, whatever combination. We only have two, though, too. Most places in Europe have a lot more parties, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so the parties have to sort of hang together more. And it's different here. But that that didn't happen there. And it does happen here. And when you don't have information on who the lower level candidates are, you only have the letter next to their name left as the information that you need and if you're being if you're consuming more national news because your local news went away uh you're more likely to be thinking about party anyway when you make that decision at the ballot box and so you know throw up your hands and say i don't know who these people are but i know that i'm a democrat and so d d d d d all the way down the ballot is is more likely to to be what you do and that just means they're less responsive to what the local community needs and more responsive to what the national party is talking about. And so you get what's this very clear trend toward nationalization of American politics down to the state level, state legislators, county executives, county boards, you know, everything down to dog catcher. It seems like, what's your opinion on, on former president Trump, right? There, this is how, this is what's going to decide people's vote for a state legislative seat. Like, that's probably not the top concern of a state legislator. Uh, and if it is, maybe they should talk to their constituents some more. So with like local opinion sections, it's almost like a distraction. You're like, like when a baby's crying, you say, hey, look at this, look at this. Right. Um, and the, the baby stops crying because they're like, look at this. It's like you're like everyone's talking about potholes and Nancy Pelosi. And you're like, look, or, or everyone's talking about Trump and Nancy Pelosi. And you're like, look at this pothole. Look at this uh, school board. <laughs> right. And you're, you know, you're driving past that pothole every day. And you could go to the office of the person who's in charge of that and say, you know, why aren't you fixing that? You're not going to get an audience with Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi. And they are less, uh, less impactful for your everyday life. The vast majority of elections in this country are state and local. And a huge number of them don't even have party affiliation. And so if people are making decisions based on partisanship at these intensely local levels, they're not likely to be deciding on the things that are are most impactful for what the actual policies that are going to be passed are about. Do you have any final words or anything? Sure. You know, opinion journalism might need a bit of a rebrand. <laughs> We're so saturated in opinion that the word opinion itself doesn't really convey what this is. They're community perspectives. This should be a well-regulated community forum. And again, 
you might think reported news is better than opinion journalism. And sure, it's got more facts. It's subject to, ver- to sort of rigorous stuff. It's, it's written in a more informative way. But if, if opinion journalism disappears, we're not going to get more reported news. We're going to get worse opinion. <laughs> we're going to get Facebook posts instead of well-researched local columns. We're going to get people flaming each other about the president in a next door group instead of hearing from the head of a local civic organization about the kinds of uh, things they're doing that month. And not letting him say uh, things that aren't, aren't provable. Right. It's, it's regulated, it's edited, and it's solicited by the paper from the people that are the real power players in the community, ideally. It's the least professional part of the newspaper. It's a place where people, you can read stuff from people like you about things that are going on that you might be able to get involved with. It's not journalists talking to you. Ideally, it's people talking to each other. And the fact that that happens in the newspaper, maybe I'm biased, but is is just better than than if it's happening in, on a, on a Facebook page where nobody's regulating it, and it can spiral into misinformation and partisan hate very very quickly. Uh, and I don't think, you know, I think everybody kind of understands that intuitively. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for joining Media Jungle, Joshua. Uh, if you can find Joshua on Twitter, Joshua Dar. Uh, and you can look at the articles that he's written and his book, uh, Homestyle Opinion. Thanks so much for joining. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. By the way, we also are a video podcast where you can see extra memes, charts, visuals about the segments. So you can find that on YouTube or subscribe to our Substack newsletter for exclusive updates. And thank you so much for listening. See you next week.